tonight, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 46 through 50 will be the focus of the sermon tonight. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 46. Beloved, before we hear God's word, if you would join your hearts together with me in prayer. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we have not loved you as we ought, as we always struggle with this. We have not loved you as we ought to, and we have not loved our neighbor as we ought. And yet you are faithful, and you are loving and compassionate and merciful. And so we pray, Father, that as we hear the gospel proclaimed this evening, that you would help us to love as we ought. We pray that you would help us to prepare for the day when we will see your face and serve you there. And so, Father, do this good work as the gospel goes forth into the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 46. Beloved, this is the word of God. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is the word of God. This entire chapter is filled uh, with accounts of the unbelieving Pharisees and scribes accusing Jesus, slandering Jesus, and even attempting to manipulate Jesus. They say things like this, teacher, we wish to see a sign of you. And of course, they were trying to manipulate him into a superficial respect, a superficial, respectful discussion about these things. The entire discourse that we have been looking at in this chapter, since the Pharisees claimed that Jesus had cast out demons by the prince of demons, this must have all taken place inside of a house. Because here in verse 46, we are told that Jesus' blood relatives were standing outside. And so much of what we've been looking at in chapter 12, half the chapter, must have taken place inside of a home. We also see that these words from Jesus about his true family is connected to what happened inside that house. Verse 46, while he was still speaking. That is, while he was saying these things things in the house, things, saying things like this. If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. If you blaspheme the Spirit, you will not be forgiven. How can you speak good when you are evil? An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign. This generation is like a house thoroughly polluted by eight evil spirits who dwell in the house. So will it be with this evil generation. These were the kinds of things that were being said, that were being taught inside this home in front of a group of people. These were not positive things if you were a Jew in particular, an unbelieving Jew. These were the kinds of things that Jesus said that would eventually get him killed by the Jews. Verse 46, while he was saying these things, it was these types of things that is referenced there. Mark, the gospel writer, shows us that Jesus' family, that Jesus' family was concerned about the slander that they were hearing regarding Jesus. This is Mark chapter 3. 
Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Later, we are told the unbelieving Jews were saying that Jesus had an unclean spirit. And so right after this, from in the Gospel of Mark, we are given Mark's version of this very dialogue. And so it seems apparent that Jesus' family was concerned about his reputation, maybe, and or maybe concerned about the direction of Jesus' ministry. These are the kinds of things that the spiritual leaders among the people of God at this time were saying about Jesus. And his family, his blood family, is hearing these things. And so you can probably understand why they might be concerned about what Jesus is doing, what he is saying, and about the direction of his teaching ministry. They may have been concerned about their own reputation. They were blood relatives after all of Jesus. If they're saying things about him, might they also be saying things about us? What might they say about us? What, they, what might they accuse us of? We are uh, blood members of Jesus' family. Now, what does seem to be clear, though, is that the slander and the accusations about Jesus from the Jews caused his family concern. Whatever type of concern that was uh, somewhat remains to be seen, but they were concerned. And so they appear outside this house thinking that their blood relation to Jesus would grant them immediate attention, immediate attention from Jesus. This is his family after all. And so Jesus is inside speaking to a group of people. In the Gospel of Mark, we're told that a crowd was sitting around him. So he's in front of a crowd speaking. And someone, a man, came in to tell Jesus something. He gave Jesus a message. And he says, your brother and your brothers are here waiting to talk to you. So someone comes into the house and tells Jesus, your family members are outside. They want to talk to you. Now we have to remember here that Jesus had just healed a man and essentially said that this was done in the power of the Spirit. And therefore he said, if this is done in the power of the Spirit, then the kingdom of God, it has come upon you. It's here. It's right before your face. He, do, he also said that he was greater than Jonah and he was the greater Solomon. And so it goes without saying that Jesus was on a special mission given to him by the Father. He is ushering in the kingdom of God. He is the greater Jonah. He is the greater Solomon. Something special is happening here. God has sent his Messiah on a divine mission. It also goes without saying that all that Jesus was doing and teaching created very tense friction between him and his disciples on one side and the unbelieving religious leaders and all those who followed them on the other side. There was conflict building. And that is, it's getting hotter as we go along uh, in the Gospel of Matthew. These unbelieving religious leaders and those who followed him, they hated him. And they were more and more showing this hatred openly, publicly, by accusing him and by even slandering him. And so it's getting worse and worse. And so maybe this is the point where Jesus should stop. Maybe he should stop what he was doing, go talk to his mother, go talk to his brothers, and perhaps reconsider his mission. 
Maybe this is the time. It was, we've had a good time so far, Jesus. Let's, let's talk about this some more. This is heading in what seems to be a dangerous direction. Now, there's lots of movies and stories that are made up of storylines about corruption, uh, internal corruption inside of a, an organization or whatever it may be. And the one person in the movie, usually is the main character, begins to expose that corruption. And there's usually a moment as that person is exposing the corruption around him. There's usually a moment where that person realizes that he or she, if they go any further, it might cost them their life. That the corruption that they're exposing is causing the people on the other side to want to kill that person, to take them out. And so there's a moment usually in the storyline where that person has to decide, do I keep going? Do I stop here, save my life, or do I keep going and expose the corruption and possibly get killed as a result of it? There's the question then posed for that person, are they in or are they out? We see something similar here with Jesus. He was beginning to really show his followers and the other Jews that he was not going to be in the in crowd. He was not going to be with the in crowd, with the Pharisees and the scribes and all the hypocritical Jews who followed them. He was not content with the way things were. He certainly was there to disrupt the way things had always been. And he wasn't going back. Maybe this was why his family shows up to perhaps steer him in a different direction, a safer one. Bring Jesus out. Let's, let's reassess what we're doing here, Jesus. In fact, in John chapter 7, we are told that Jesus' brothers attempted to persuade him to show his power openly to the world. That's what they told him. Show your power openly to the world like an earthly king would do. That's what they wanted. They wanted their brother to act like an earthly king, do something like a Caesar would do. Then John tells us that they did this because his brothers did not believe in him. They did not have faith. In other words, out of unbelief, his brothers wanted Jesus to use his power to get worldly honor, worldly fame, worldly glory. And no doubt, if Jesus did that, if he listened to his brothers and actually did that, it's very likely that his own blood brothers would benefit on some level, would they not? And so they were attempting to get Jesus to do that because they did not have faith. They could not see the true nature of the kingdom of God. They wanted an earthly kingdom like the rest of the Jews. And so what will Jesus do here? His, he's told in the front of this crowd, right in the middle of his teaching, your family's outside. What's he, what is he going to do? The first thing he does is ask a question. He says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now, by doing this, Jesus forced the man who gave the message to him, and he forced his disciples and all others who were listening there to stop and think about the meaning of family. What is family? What does it mean to have a family, to have mothers and brothers? Now, this would, this would have been very significant for a room full of Jews because they prided themselves on being part of Abraham's family. They were sons and daughters of Abraham. And so they very much prided themselves on their bloodline. 
So Jesus asked this question, what is a family? Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Now, at first glance, one might answer this question based on blood relation. They might say, well, Jesus, that's easy. Your mother and your brother, that's who your family is. They're outside. They're asking to talk to you. Now, certainly this was true as far as it goes. In fact, they're referred to as his family members here, and certainly um, that to a certain extent, that is true. Towards the end of John, in fact, Jesus' mother, Mary, is still referred to as his mother. She never stopped being Jesus' mother. And we confess every week that Jesus was born to his mother, Mary. But Jesus directs his listeners to a deeper bond. A bond that runs deeper than just blood. And he points them to that bond in a kind of dramatic fashion. He stretched out his hand toward his disciples, wherever they were. Maybe they were on his right. He stretched out his hand toward his disciples. And he, right then and there, redefines true family relations. He speaks of a bond in a family that runs deeper than blood. And he speaks of a bond as well that transcends death. It extends over, this family bond extends over into the age to come. That's how deep this bond runs between its family members. He he motions toward his disciples here. As you're thinking about that question, what is family? Here, or who are Jesus' family? Who are members of his family? He says, here are my brothers, here are my mothers and my brothers. Forever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Now what an incredible honor for Christ's disciples to receive here in front of this large crowd. His time with his disciples was more valuable to Jesus than answering to the whims of his very own blood family. I've got more important things to do than to stop teaching about the kingdom of God to my true family than to go talk to my family who might be wanting to talk to me about redirecting my mission. Do you see what Jesus has done there? This is what Jesus says about us as well, friends, in his word. This is what he says about you. He motions his hand towards you, and he says, here's my family. These are my mothers. These are my brothers and my sisters. You are part of Christ's family. This is my family, and I love them so much, I laid down my life for them. By the power of the Spirit, God, the Spirit, the eternal Holy Spirit, we are, you are, adopted into the family of God. This is who you are as a Christian. Jesus motions to you in front of the world and says, this is my family. Where faith exists in a whole blood family, The bond that they share in blood and spirit is quite strong. It's a wonderful thing. The whole family shares a common faith in Christ. But where faith exists in one family member and not in another, now Jesus is not calling us something that can be quite difficult, but Jesus is not calling us to completely disavow our relationships with our blood family. He, He didn't do this. He didn't completely disavow his relationship with his 
his mother and his family members outside. He just pointed to something that ran deeper than that. And he was involved in a mission that was more important than listening to the whims, the the whims of his family members who just kind of without thinking decided that they wanted to confront Jesus about something. And so Jesus is not completely is not calling us to completely disavow our relationships with our blood family members if they do not believe. Though we may have to, in extreme cases of sin, in extreme cases of abuse, that may very well need to happen. But he is showing us that our ultimate allegiance lies elsewhere. We are ultimately committed to doing the will of our Father in heaven. And because of that, we are then ultimately committed to others who are committed to that. We are committed to the others who are committed to doing the will of their Father in heaven, namely the church. That is where our true allegiance lies, our ultimate allegiance lies. Now Jesus gives us here a living illustration then of what his what discipleship looks like. Remember what Jesus said about discipleship in Matthew 10. He says, whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now this is not easy, friends. Some of us have faith, who have faith, are either literally or essentially shunned by our blood family members who do not have faith. There is a separation there. And as we are pushed, and even as we are pushed more and more to the outside in those relationships, it's there, friends, that you will find Jesus. That is where you find Jesus. In the house with you. Motioning towards you. In front of others saying, she belongs to me. He belongs to me. He's part of my family. His family has disavowed him because of his faith. Her family has separated themselves from her because of her faith. But she belongs to me. She has a bond with me and my family members that runs much deeper than the bond that he or she has with their family members. Jesus motions towards us and he says, here is my family. And he says to us, to you, to those who have lost a father and or a mother, siblings, because precisely because of your faith, Jesus gives you ten spiritual fathers and mothers in their place in the church, and he gives you an infinite number of brothers and sisters. To Christ be all praise and glory now and forevermore.